Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca and your host. In today's episode, Zara is back as a special guest to join me in chatting to best-selling author, cook and columnist, Julia Basutal Nishimura. Lovely to see you jetting in from Sydney to actually sunny old Melbourne. The weather's been really nice. And it's nice too because I've been on the outside listening to all the podcast episodes. Yeah. And now it's like I'm back on the other side. And how is everything going with baby and motherhood and all of those amazing He's new good. experiences? Everyone says it's really hard that you do it in the first month. I was like, this is really hard. Why does anyone, <laughs> why does anyone do this? And then afterwards you're like, oh. He is quite cute. He is very cute. Baby is very cute. Baby Freddy. We love him. He's a very smartly dressed little dude. Um, And today we are having a bit of a special conversation. um, And we have come into the studio on a Sunday because it's very important that we get this done when you're here. And we're going to be meeting Julia Basutal Nishimura. And you might know her better by her Instagram handle, Julia Ostro. And Zara, you know Julia pretty well, right? Yes, she's been such a part of the Mecca family, working with us on, we've had her in a campaign, she's done editorials for us, hosted events, she's cooked at events for us. So we are all very big Julia fans. It's funny, when we have her at Mecca events, I've had people come up to me and say, I just really want to be Julia's friend. Or they'll <laughs> go up to her and be like, your banana bread is amazing. Because it is. And I think she's, just, she's got this lovely quality about her. Her recipes are really, really good. I bumped into her at um, an event we had this week. Um, She was super excited about talking to us today. And she was also telling me about how much of like a sort of tennis family they are. And her um, husband is actually a tennis coach. And for her and the family, like the Australian Open, the whole like Australian Open shebang is like they just get through Christmas quite quietly to get to that. That's their big crescendo, um, which I was I really loved that. I mean, she plays a lot of tennis and um, and, you know, I thought that she would be spending weeks and days prepping for this like feast of Christmas. She's like, no, no, we're pretty low key. All we want to do is get to the Australian Open. And I think that you can see that in her cooking because everything she cooks or makes or the recipes she shares are quite like home comforty sort of food. They eat, I wouldn't say super easy, but they're kind of the stuff that you can just whip together and it's like high impact. And you have um, been trialing a few of her recipes. I seem to see on your Instagram, Zara. Yes, because actually Kerry, our producer here, loves loves her recipe books and so raved to me about her recipes and just said they're the books that you return to time and time again even as, as a seasoned cook and baker which Kerry is so I've tried what have I tried a lot of her cakes I love making cakes I've got a sweet tooth have you been making finding the time to make cakes with a newborn baby it's easier in the beginning when he <laughs> naps for like three to four hours like yeah. out of the blue and I'll be like I've just got time to whip up a cake and now it's a bit little bit harder now that he's super alert oh, yeah. and aware of the world uh, <laughs> hard to get that more than half an hour in because his naps are super short. Oh my goodness, I love that. Well, let's get into it and let's welcome Julia into the studio. (laughs) 
welcome to Mecca Talk Studio um, and also into the Mecca Studio. We're very excited to have you. And I'm very delighted that I've had two encounters with you <laughs> in a week, which realistically, considering that how busy everyone is at the moment, I feel a little bit spoiled. And you're looking particularly gorgeous today oh, because you. you are off to a very special lunch at a very fancy restaurant, I think. Yeah, going out for lunch today, which is always nice. And where are you going out? Going to Gimlet. And how do you pick Gimlet? I feel like Gimlet, I mean, I'm bringing some friends who are from the country, and so I feel like it is such a beautiful representation of Melbourne, Melbourne service, the food, the atmosphere. It's quite special. And what about um, your food? Mm. And, like, if you think of the classic Melbourne beautiful Gimlet experience, you, you kind of know that what you're going to get there. And how would you th- describe your world of food <laughs> to our listeners today? I mean, I'm a home cook, so for first and foremost, I'm all about home cooking, I'm about simplicity, seasonal produce, and just enjoying the process, the cooking, the eating, the sharing, the shopping, the whole kind of gamut of the experience of home cooking is what I'm all about. And you've got three books out at the moment. <laughs> one came out, the latest one came out this year. And I love the story of how you got into doing the books. Can you tell, <laughs> can you tell us that story again? <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I used to have a blog. I mean, I still have a blog, actually, called Ostro, um, which I started when I was living in Italy. And it was really just a place for recipes. There was no social media I would have friends back asking, in the day. Back in the day, those golden days. I had friends and family asking for recipes that I was cooking and I just decided to put them all on one central spot. And, you know, it just kind of bubbled along on the side and I was an Italian teacher, so I studied teaching and became an Italian teacher and then still just kept doing Ostro. And I was shopping at the farmer's market one um, Saturday morning and I met my now publisher there and she said, like, let's have a meeting. Um, I, I love, love that. what you do. The <laughs> farmer's market. I know. That's so such, a Mel- such a Melbourne weekend experience. Just at the local farmer's market, getting approached. That was this really, was this, hold on, was this not in Italy? It was in Melbourne. Oh, well, Melbourne. Yeah, in Carlton. In like yeah. <laughs> So super local and, I mean, I was just over the moon. I never really thought that was a possibility. For me, growing up, cookbooks were my Bibles and Mm. they still are and I loved reading books and I looked up to so many people who were writing them but they were all, actually a lot of them were British, mostly. Like Delia Smith. Delia Smith, not quite. (laughs) She's she's great but um, (laughs) Who else? Who else? I mean it was Jamie. I was, you know, 16 in the the 2000s. Yeah, Jamie, Nigella, Nigel Slater, The River Cafe. I've got all those books on my shelf. They're iconic and they're classic and they really kind of were, was the foundation for or where I am now, I suppose, because when you are striving to do something, having those kind of people before you really like pave the way. Yeah. So not that I'm in that category, I don't think. But, um. So you've got three books out and you're beloved for your cooking. <laughs> Would you do a TV show? Would you? What is, what is the kind of next extension of your world of cooking? Yeah, I mean, I did a TV show this year. On Channel 9, it was Good Food Kitchen. So that, I co-hosted that with Adam Lior and Daniel Alvarez, an amazing chef from Sydney. Mm. Yeah, um, she was, was at Fred's. She and was the head chef at Fred's. Yes. yes. And Chez Panisse. She's just 
divine. And so that was a real thrill to be asked to do that with two people I admire. So it was a really big learning curve. I'd never done, I've I've been a guest a lot before, Mm. but I've never actually hosted. And it was amazing. It was challenging and it's kind of nice to be challenged. Yeah, outside your comfort zone. Yeah. So I would love to do more of that. I would love to do some kind of travel and cooking and um, combine all of those things that I love. And your cooking takes inspiration from obviously your Maltese heritage, your partner's Japanese, and also you living in Italy. How do you combine (laughs) them all and how, like, I think that's what makes your books really compelling because it's got that sort of fun fusion blended mix. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it's, you know, it's been such a natural progression and my food and I think everybody's food, the way they cook, is such a combination of places they've lived and people they know and their family and their heritage as well. So I think it's just how it is. It's been kind of a very natural thing and I, I don't really like combine them specifically in one dish, <laughs> but they do sit so nicely side by side. They all kind of share that passion and that strength of family and mm. coming together around the table, seasonality, simplicity, and really just kind of heroing, yeah, beautiful produce. So that's kind of how I see them linking together. And how do you write a book? Like how do you write a cooking <laughs> book? How long does it take? What's the process? Yeah, it's very pertinent questions. I'm about to embark on another one this summer. (laughs) So (laughs) I I guess, you know, for me, it kind of starts with a bit of an idea. Sometimes it's a really strong idea. And then sometimes it kind of develops as I start writing the recipes. It's yeah, it's really a list for me, a list of recipes that I want to include that I've been thinking about over the past six months or so. And I put that to my publisher and we kind of agree on it or we have a bit of a discussion. A sort of theme or does it sort of happen organically? Like, yeah, I mean, the sec- the last book around the table was very organic in the sense I had this recipe list and I had started writing and I got really in into the writing process and I still didn't really have like a strong idea of what it was going to be like or what it was going to be themed around. And so that kind of came after, whereas the second book, um, A Year of Simple Family Food, was very strong. It was all about the seasons. It was divided into four seasons. So it can kind of work both ways. But I think this book, yeah, I just, again, just sending out my recipe list and then start writing and it comes. It always comes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so exciting. And you're also a mum. We were talking about this um, when we caught up this week <laughs> and you are also a mega tennis fan. Yeah. <laughs> And that was because surprised me. I was like, because my question to you was like, what? Who was cooking for Christmas? Yeah. What are you cooking? Yeah. What is what's going to happen? And you were like, actually, we're not that bothered. All we want to do is get to the get to the tennis. We just want to get to the Australian Open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Christmas. I think just the start of Christmas is kind of that start of that beautiful summer period in Melbourne, and it gets kind of that buzz starting to happen. But yeah, Christmas for us is very casual. It's very small. I've already cooked. You know two turkeys, three pavlovas, two trifles. <laughs> I'm a bit Christmas out by Christmas Day. But no, it's always a really beautiful, beautiful fresh seafood, very casual. Nori will do something on the barbecue and it's all very, very nice and simple. Very but yes. Aussie. Yeah, very Aussie. A bit of Japanese. In Japan, actually, everyone goes to, or not everybody, but a lot of people go to KFC for Christmas. Ah, yes. <laughs> Since the this. 80s. Really? Yeah, there was a big kind of, um, like a sort of campaign, marketing, marketing 
campaign oh, in the 70s. Oh, that's so funny. We study that marketing campaign. We, yes. <laughs> so a lot of people go and get KFC, so we often will make karage or some kind of replacement for that. And then a lot of fish Christmas Eve as well, the Maltese traditions, yeah. the Italian traditions. Delicious. But yes, we're just like waiting for the Australian Open. Okay, and, and tell us a little bit about your obsession with the Australian Open because I thought that story was so fascinating. I mean, I've always played tennis since I was since I was in school. Yeah, my husband's a tennis coach and we actually kind of met through a shared love of tennis. Oh, cute. And we got married at his tennis club. Oh, that's plays. really cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, our family, my seven-year-old plays. He's actually doing the coin toss this year, I think, Rob That's pretty <laughs> cool. That's During amazing. the on-court rally. Yeah, where, okay, that was my unexpected thing that I was going <laughs> to... I know. I love <laughs> the big news. That's that a big is, career news. Yeah, that is your big career no. moment. <laughs> no, it's a bit of an unexpected thing, but yeah, we love tennis. Oh, my goodness. It's a good sport. And so um, you've got that to look forward to. Yes. You've got another book to write. Yes. And you're going to a very fancy restaurant today <laughs> for lunch. But what about a restaurant that you're sort of heading up? We we would love that. Oh, we would be in there every day. <laughs> you know, my actual dream one day would be to have a really beautiful grocery store. Oh, yeah. Really nice. kind of boutique. I don't know if you know the general store in London. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of vibe, very... Yeah, beautiful produce, very selected pantry goods, maybe some coffee, maybe some cakes. Oh, that, that would be the dream. I think that, we, I yeah, think we would live there. Could you, could you open that like sort of near where I live or um, near the Mecca office? Near the Mecca preferably. office. Maybe inside, inside Mecca HQ. Oh, that would just be the dream. And you could have a little cafe at the back, <laughs> couldn't you? So for someone who isn't you and with us going into summer or in summer now, what tips do you have for summer entertaining, holiday entertaining? Holiday entertaining. I mean, I think that summer we're so lucky with the produce we have around the kind of festive season and coming into the new year, it's automatically feels celebratory. So I think all of the beautiful stone fruit and cherries and berries mm. and seafood, I think it's so easy to kind of throw things together. So I would say just focus on um, really good quality seasonal produce, Keep it simple. You know, tomatoes in February and March are amazing. January. So I think anything that really highlights the beautiful seasonality of the produce. And I know this is an annoying question that all cookbook writers hate <laughs> being asked. I've been told that they hate this question. What is your current favourite recipe? Oh, gosh. Or a couple. That is impossible. <laughs> I mean, what am I making at the moment that I love? I mean, I just made yesterday like a zucchini pasta. I really am so fickle in a way. I really don't hold on to recipes in a sense of like, I mean, there are some that are very nostalgic and very um, close to me and they all are in some aspect but I am moving always forward that I never feel like I'm super holding on to anything to call something my favourite <laughs> but I mean yesterday I made this yeah amazing zucchini pasta and it was just shallots and olive oil and um, some basil from the garden chopped up zucchini that just cooks down and just tossed it through some pasta and ricotta oh, that so... sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible is that going into the new book well I mean it's so it's a variation from this zucchini mixture from from the first book that I used to top crostini. So I'm always just like pulling bits. Uh, so, pulling but we, we're not as good at this as you. <laughs> so we need the like explicit instructions. <laughs> I'll share it with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> do this a little sort of pass me yeah. the note of how to do it. Oh, that sounds amazing. Would you say that your cooking then is, you know, because obviously you've got incredible like relationships with Italy, Malta, Japan, Australia as well. Where would you say the biggest inspiration for your food comes from? 
I think a lot of it did come from Italy and does still come from Italy. I spent quite a bit of time there. I was a nanny in southern Tuscany. I studied in Florence. I speak Italian. I taught Italian for six years. I think that would have to be the overarching kind of inspiration and I think I always go back to that. Mm. You know, I do have all these other inspirations, just the the markets, Nori's stories from Nori's family Mm. in Japan, my own childhood, my upbringing, but I think the overarching probably inspiration is Italy. Mm. And do you go back to Italy a lot? I mean, since COVID, no. Oh, that must be (laughs) devastating. You're You're going in April, so that's going to be amazing. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, we need we need the little sort of film crew to be with you, I think. <laughs> and I think you were saying too earlier about, you know, being influenced by your heritage and Italian food. They've all, and Japanese food, you've got, they've all got sort of familial comfort food aspect to it as well. And I think that really comes out in the recipes you make and your approach to beauty as well. <laughs> and because we're on the Mecca podcast, do you, what are your favourite beauty products at the moment? My favourite beauty products. I'm like my food. I keep it very simple mm-hmm. and literally put whatever the people at Mecca tell me to put on my face. <laughs> to be fair, you're looking store. particularly gorgeous today. Oh, nice. I, I know your stuff. A, I, just, I was going to say, your face is looking pretty oh, flawless. <laughs> um, what have I been? I've just started using the Emma, um, Emma Lewisham. Lewisham. Oh yeah, lovely. Which I'm loving and I love that it's all refillable yeah. and the packaging, like, yeah. It's, and it's beautiful product. Beautiful yeah. product. Kate, yeah. you had done the interview with her for the oh, previous podcast oh, wow. episode. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah no, so she's, skin she's wonderful. And she's so, um, I love her purpose as well, Emma. She's really, really committed to really high efficacy mm. products. But... So really I have good for the world. Yeah, good for the world, good for the skin. Yeah. We love. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've noticed a big difference since using that. It's quite um yeah, just my skin tone. Um I also can never stop using the Balm 27. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Cos 27. It's just my That is gorgeous. It's just my like, yeah. That's such Number like one a Mecca insider favourite. <laughs> yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. Iconic Mecca. And um, beautiful shimmer you've got on today in your Ooh, lips. Thank you. What, what, is, what is that? A bit of um, Westman Atelier. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, yes. I have one of those in my bag I too. love People are raving about it. I haven't tried that yeah. one yet. I really want to try so it. So good, I think, for summer. I don't know. It just kind of feels a bit lighter yeah. and fun. But still something there. But, yes. And it's hydrating, I yes. feel. Yeah. But I love it. That's another one of my products that I cannot live without the sticks like the yeah the sticks I just so good. you really got on your travel. cheeks on your eyes on your lips yeah that's one of my favourite brands um, and actually Gucci's coming to um, Australia very soon and so we'll get her on the podcast but we'll get her maybe we could get her to Ooh. taste a bit of your food that'd as well nice. wouldn't it be nice and maybe you can have a little conversation with that her that would be lovely yeah that would be a bit special wouldn't it um, and all for your books so you've got three amazing books um, and Tell us, tell us about them, and tell us which are your favourites, and and also which was the most challenging to write. Because I imagine you've got like lots of ideas. It's got to form a beautiful kind of book and thought, but also you really want to just make people happy with the mm. food that you create. So it's like, how do you how do you keep the ones in that you want, and how do you how do you let the editor take out the ones <laughs> that they don't want? Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, my first book, Ostro, felt like a back catalogue almost of all of 
the recipes I had. You kind of, my publisher said, you only get one chance to write a book. <laughs> make it good. Make it good. Make it worth, like, put everything in that you want to put in. You might not get another chance. Like, if it doesn't oh. go well, that's kind of it. So, so put all the good ones <laughs> that in. That was really sobering. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I guess I had no expectations. Yeah. So it was great. I went in with it with this kind of mindset that this could be it. I want to be proud of it. I yeah. didn't really have a huge audience at that point. I didn't know who my audience were specifically like I do now. And so I was really doing it for me. I was putting in all the things I loved, all the stories I wanted to share. And there were some things that my publisher um denied, like there's a rabbit pie in there. (laughs) I mean, being Maltese, we, I grew up eating a lot of rabbit and it's not, it's probably, I think maybe two people have cooked that dish, but then I have one person like I make it every, Uh. every few months. (laughs) I love it. So that was Ostro and that did so well. I was so grateful and astonished, I suppose, because yeah, it was a, a huge success, which mm. is wonderful. It's gone into like a, they've re-editioned it. And, oh, um, amazing. Yeah, Nigella gave a little quote for it. So all of the people that I loved were just loved it what as was well. What was it like when they were like, by the way, Nigella's done your quote? Yeah. <laughs> and Jamie, and I was like, okay, that's, I mean. That's pretty major. It's pretty major. Yeah. Pretty major. So then my second book, uh, You're a Simple Family Food, and that was challenging to make because I guess it's that kind of second album, yeah. that fear. Sequel. That, yeah, the sequel, is it going to flop? That felt like more pressure. Avatar number two. <laughs> Truly. And so I felt a lot of pressure, but it, again, did well. It was it was a funny one. It came out just as we went into the first lockdown in 2020, mm-hmm. so they pushed it back, but it sold out before, like the first print run sold out before publication day, so it was a lot of buzz and it was really great. That was awesome, and i so proud of both of them. And then the third book, Around the Table, I wrote during the pandemic, mm. during lockdown with a newborn. When you were spending a lot of time around the <laughs> table. Yeah. And I think there was this kind of heightened sense of how important it was to be around the table yeah. with friends family, and yeah. family. And I think people really miss that and that essence, which is home cooking. It's yeah. all about sharing meals and stories and everything does happen around the table. And so that was the push for me. And I think I was really excited for this book because, yeah, it was a big project. It kind of kept me going during lockdown. Yeah, um, amazing. Yeah, it and was what, fantastic. what can we expect from Around the Table? What what sort of recipes are in there? And if you are not an expert cook, <laughs> are they easy to make? Yeah, they're all – I think they're great because they do kind of reach a whole lot of different levels. There are recipes in there that – uh, can be more challenging if you want, but you, there's also shortcuts. You know, you can buy the pastry, for example, mm-hmm. or you can, um, yeah, there's lots of shortcuts there and there are a lot of options. But I think Around the Table is beautiful because it really encapsulates how I think about f- food, how I cook. Mm. It's sectioned in moods and oh, I love that. special occasions and, it's and about, seasons. about bringing people together yeah. and that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So I think they all, all three books kind of hit that sweet spot, I hope, of the home cook who maybe wants to challenge themselves a little bit, but also there are plenty and plenty of recipes in there that are for the everyday mm. cook, for the weeknight, for, yeah. And I think what is really nice about your recipes too is that they're like, there are some which are really nice everyday recipes mm. and some are a bit special. Yeah. But there's a specificity in how you write about it where it's quite personal and it's like a little quick tip and be like, if you don't have this, <laughs> use the frozen blueberry Totally. Version. And you're yeah. like, oh, it's like reasonable, you know, you yes. can make it work yes. at many different levels. You've also got two people here, not me yet, but I will. <laughs> um, Carrie, um, who's our producer, and also Zara, who make your recipes <laughs> They, they're baking all the time. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, my God, that's really, they're really impressive. <laughs> Carrie is particularly good. 
if you could have her as your wing woman. Yes. On I'm the baking front. <laughs> and, and do you get a lot of that? Um, do you get a lot of feedback from people saying that they make your food? Because I think there's a really interesting dynamic, isn't there, of having a beautiful recipe book on your shelf that you just look at and go, oh, that's really lovely, but I don't think I can ever do it. But I love to look at it. And then there's the ones that you actually, mm. you know, go become back. part, yeah. Yeah, go back to time and time again, they become part of your family life and yeah. you build those incredible memories from those, from those recipes and it brings people together in that way do you get a lot of that feedback from people I do and that for me is just the biggest reward I think a book that is you know I, I go to signings and people bring me their copies of their books and they're so dirty and so splattered on and they're bookmarked and they've this one person at my last signing had written notes of like it was during the lockdown of when she cooked it and how it made her feel it was just like oh my gosh oh, this is pretty pretty emotional and right? emotional and I think um yeah, my books are totally to be used and there's it's been amazing seeing people cook and I think social media has been mm. great for that. You get kind of this instant feedback and you see what people are loving. Um, I, yeah, it was just written up in Melbourne Food and Wine and someone said like when you're at a dinner party and they're like, what, what is it? Oh, it's a Julia recipe. And for me to read that is just such... Like single of, name. Yeah, yeah. Single <laughs> name. Like Madonna. Yeah. Well, Nigella, Nigella Julia, Jamie. But I mean, to read that is just phenomenal and such a rewarding thing to, to be a part of and to see my book and to see my food at, on people's tables is a real honour. So yeah. something I don't take lightly and something that I feel very lucky to be a part of people's kitchens and cooking and lives. I love yeah. that. And Would you ever do like a, a sort of Julia, Julia for Kids book as well? Because I think more <laughs> and more younger children are wanting to learn. It's like they've sort of gone back to the mm. old world of like, I want to bake, I want to make cakes, I don't just want to buy them. Mm. Would you ever do something which is for sort of the younger generation? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. When I was an Italian teacher, I also ran the kitchen garden at the school. And I actually went back to my son's school and taught his class to make pasta. Yeah. And so just cute. the, I mean, kids are just amazing. Just the f from from them and the parents, they were like, oh my God, my child never eats pasta or they never like to cook. And I don't know, just getting them in the kitchen is so special. I don't know if I would do a specific kids cookbook, but I'm actually writing a picture book, which oh. is kind of around food. So that's going to be very fun. Um, that's a summer project. Oh, wait <laughs> to get that one for Freddie. Yeah, I love it. You've got just like yeah. creative ideas buzzing around you the whole time. It's so cool. I'm very, very impressed. <laughs> and then, I mean, as Kate was saying, you know, you've got such a good community. You really speak to your audience. And I think especially during the pandemic, you were really good at getting involved on social media and your community. And what was that like? It was a, such a shift. I mean, I was teaching pasta classes in real life. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't do that. Videos suddenly were so you know, huge. And I just had to kind of switch and started doing these cooking videos often with Haruki <laughs> when he was quite little. Aww. But, um, you know, it was just a really nice way to connect and nice thing for, for me to do as well. Yeah, it was great. It was kind of a really interesting time where you saw people cooking a lot. Like people were cooking mm. a lot more. Um, lots of banana bread. Lots of banana bread. Lots <laughs> of greens pies. Lots of your banana bread <laughs> recipe. And on that, you've seen trends come and go mm. or some trends have come and stayed, mm. like banana bread, bass <laughs> cheesecake. Butterboards. Not but <laughs> butterboards. <laughs> the what, vodka pasta. Oh, yeah. What do you feel like is the next 
thing or what do you feel like should be the next mm. thing? It's so interesting. Trends are so funny. It's something that I try not to think, think about. about and try to ignore in a way because... <laughs> you don't want something to be like, that's so 2022. That's so true. <laughs> but also, you know, I Fun learned board. this with, the, with my books that whatever you put out, you have to do it for yourself first and foremost because mm. you can try and predict what people are going to like or what people want. But at the end of the day, if you put something out and it's not a trend and nobody likes it and then you hate it as well, you're left with this content or these recipes that were put out for just the wrong purpose. So I really, I don't know, I feel like sandwiches are on, like, yes, sandwiches are Melbourne, trending. sandwiches are really <laughs> big. Sandwiches are trending. That's so yeah. funny. No, I agree. It's, it's a thing. And like specifically, I don't like, think there's any sandwiches in Melbourne. No. Oh, my oh, gosh. Like Hector's. Hector's. Nico's. Yeah, I haven't had Nico's, but. Oh, you haven't no. Nico's? Oh, it's so close I to know. you. Because a sandwich, I feel like, is a very British thing that mm. everyone loves But they sandwich. do this, like, loaded sandwich in Melbourne. Yeah. It hasn't hit Sydney yet. The sandwich thing isn't in Sydney, mm. but it's in Melbourne. Even, like, all the local bakeries. We've got a lot of bakeries. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like they do, like, I live near Standing Room Coffee. Big mm. shout out to them. They do They're amazing good. sandwiches, loafer. The salad sandwich, Falco. Yes. Anyway. Oh, Falco. Sandwiches Falco are a vibe. Sam- sandwiches <laughs> are a vibe. To be frank. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yes. as you are such a like finger on the food oh, pulse, um, what, other than Gimlet, which you're going to today, where would you tell somebody if they've never been to Melbourne before, where should they, if they were going out for breakfast, lunch, mm. dinner, and maybe some snackage okay. in between, where, right. what would that day look like? All right. A food fest. Got you. Breakfast has to be Florian. I love Florian in North Carlton. The girls who own it are amazing. The it's like such a good, so good. work culture. Yeah. yeah, the service is amazing. The food's Foods. great. They're, one of their parents own a bakery, so like the pastries are always great. Definitely Florian. And then, um, or standing room, as I previously mentioned. <laughs> it's my local, so I, I love, love them a lot. Yeah, I love Florian, but just the lines. Oh, so yeah, true. Busy. You have to go on a weekday. Yeah, true. I actually like never go on the busy. weekend. That's very true. By the way, this dream day mm. of the food fest, mm. imagine. And there are no queues. So. Okay, yeah, Florian. <laughs> like, just take the queues Florian. out of it. Right, and Florian. then I guess, I mean, no queues. Sure, let's go to Loon. Yeah. <laughs> let's get a croissant. Definitely. Because I never get to go because the lines are always huge. Weekdays. Weekdays. I would probably go and have lunch at Embla. I love a lunch Ooh. at Embla. Where's Embla? In city. the city on Russell. Ah, yes, I've kind never of been. Kitty. Oh, my God, it's so good. Like you love it. It's like a wine bar. They've got ah. a rooftop. They do movies during summer as yeah, well. Yeah, okay, I, great. Actually, I mean, they've knocked down that other building now, oh. but I think they'll bring it back. So this but. actually could be another book, by the way, which is your guide. <laughs> okay, keep going. So this is lunch. Okay, lunch. And Julia. And my- all right, snacks. I reckon we go to Napier Quarter in Fitzroy, have a little wine, have some snacks. What kind of snacks? Some oyster? Ooh, and, yeah, anchovy on toast, some oysters. That, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Cured Delish. Meat. I feel like I'm forgetting things. Gosh. There's pressure, pressure. Pressure. I would say dinner. Another favourite of mine is Etta in Brunswick East. Also female-owned by Hannah, who is incredible, and the head chef Rasheen is just a gun. Really great food. I went there for like a Christmas party last week. Always good. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I don't oh, know. And I then hold kids. on, I'd be in bed. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> but imagine the kids who have looked after and you had loads of energy. Where would you finish off? Where would I finish in your food fest for like a little, a little nightcap. Night and maybe a little, you know, chocolate of some sort. And, oh, and gosh. Can you help me, Zara? I know. I'm like fracking my brain. Oh, I guess I oh, I mean, should we just bars. go? Is it back to yours? What about? <laughs> I'll go to Gimlet, Gimlet for the bars. Pretty like good. Public 
Oh, oh my god! Public. How could I forget public wine shop? Sorry, yeah. that's my fave. It's my local yeah. wine bar. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we'll go there for a night, a night yeah. cap, yeah. and a grony. Did you say or something? And bakeries. Yeah. What are your favourite bakeries? bakeries? I mean, Pastries, yeah, I live near Lofa. I mean, Beatrix, Beatrix. for cakes. Montfort is really oh, great. Yes. What else? Baker Blue. Oh, my God. This is too hard. This is the dream day. <laughs> I hope everyone's written that down because I'm definitely going to do a tour. I'm going to be very so – I'm going to be sort of falling over by the end of the day full of food. But but I will have been to all these places. So I think it's a challenge we could all set ourselves. <laughs> it's like a week-long eating. Um, and, of course, we're here to talk about food but also beauty. And you are um, part, very much part of the Mecca family. Tell us a little bit about how long you have been – you know, sort of working with Mecca, the things that you've done. And tell us about, (laughs) tell about, obviously we've talked about some products that you love, Mm. but also what was your first beauty experience? Yeah, I think, I mean, when I think I did the Mecca, the foundation campaign. campaign. That was actually my first campaign that I did when I joined Mecca, 2019. Yeah. And we shot it around June because I started in April and I was like, let's get Julia in this campaign. Oh my God, so nice. I was so blown away and I just thought it was going to be on little cards or something in the store. You were on a window. I I walked past a Carlton. I was like, oh my God. I was like, call my husband. I was like, come to Carlton. Oh, so good. Um, That was very, a big highlight because I suppose, you know, being in food, you don't often, yeah, traverse that kind of that, that beauty sphere and fashion, but I do love all the three things mm. and lots of things. And so that was a real highlight for me, um, yeah, to work with Mecca in that capacity because I've been such a fan and, like, love the product and always rely on the staff to tell me what to, <laughs> to get. Um, so that's, that was amazing. And then I think I did a Mother's Day the, at the mm-hmm. the Mecca Beauty the, on the couch. It was a pandemic one. But I don't know, just being a part of, yeah. of Mecca's story, I suppose. Part of the Mechaverse. Oh, yeah, the Mechaverse over the last few years has been amazing. Well, we are such big fans. Oh, gosh. And obviously, you're, um, you know, you've got these amazing memories and relationships to all these different countries where you've spent time. But what about, what was your first kind of beauty memory mm. that really made you think, oh, I want to do, I want to be part of that? <laughs> I mean, when I, it's so funny because my mum was actually, she was Miss Malta. Oh, wow. <laughs> of 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 Australia, I think. Wow. Or, or even maybe just Adelaide. But she was a Miss Malta. She was in beauty pageants. Well done. And worked her. for Qantas and was very, you she know. Knew her stuff. She knew her, knew her stuff. But then that didn't really translate to us. She never was really, you know, introducing us to beauty products and things like that. So I definitely learned through my friends, even growing up, even as a young girl through magazines. Um, I remember like reading Vogue and just kind of like pouring over the products and looking at what they're using and learn through that. And I think it was just, it's been this journey, I suppose. I feel like I'm still learning. Yeah. But do you know, isn't that wonderful though, to still be so curious about it? Mm. I feel the same. Like I'm just like, oh, what, what now? What's the next stage? What's the next phase? Yeah. What else should I, I be using? And, and actually of those kind of beauty trends, what is it that it sort of pulls you in? Is it like Emma Lewisham, mm. Gucci Westman? They're both real sustainable mm. brands. Uh, is that something you think about? Or is it just really what works for you? I mean, I think it's a combination. I think the sustainability aspect is huge and I'm always so impressed by the innovations and like the, I don't know, refillable, like that wasn't really a thing up until, I don't know, 
I don't want to put any claims, but like, <laughs> it feels like the last few years. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, so things like that. But also I'm a real sucker for packaging, like nice, yeah. clean packaging. Yeah, me <laughs> so too. You open up your bathroom cabinet, you feel a sense of satisfaction. It's got to have yeah. shelf appeal. It does. So the... Um, like the bully, yes, uh, yeah, the bully, is bully beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like when I was in Japan recently, they have uh, like yeah. beautiful stores in there just of that, and so that was so amazing. And having it in Mecca, mm. like I'm always gravitated to the hand creams, and they're just so stunning. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful brand. Yeah, but I think things that work, like I've been loving the the Nars, like light reflecting. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I just like LRF. <laughs> because it's, it's so popular. We it's call it so LRF. Glowy. I'm obsessed. So I was using a different one and then I switched. I just love switching as well. Like I'm not really... Um, You're not loyal I'm to not anything. I'm not loyal, <laughs> which is probably not a good thing. But I feel like yeah, I love it. Loyal to Mecca. Loyal to Mecca brands. And you got the Spectralite last year. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's the good. LED. Dr. Dennis Gross. Gosh. And oh, the, the I had mine on this morning. I needed a bit of a, a bit of a <laughs> drush. <laughs> Something needed to happen. <laughs> you know, you discover products like that and you're like, how did I live without it? Yes. Those, those pill pads. Oh, yeah, the pill like before pads. Before an event or before I get my makeup done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're game changer. Game changer. Yeah. So I think the way you, as I was saying before, you approach cooking and beauty, there's that sort of similarity because it's quite healing, quite almost therapeutic. So beauty can be also a tool for self-care. So in your spare time, if you're not cooking, <laughs> what do you do to unwind? Um, I mean, I love a bath. I love running a bath and I love a face mask. For me, I mean, number one, it like scares the kids, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> no, but in all honesty, I love like the go-to face transformation mask. Anything that just takes a bit of time because mm-hmm. I feel like my skincare routine is, can be quite rushed. Mm-hmm. I'm often just like cleanse, moisturize, done, which is bad. Probably should do no, more things. <laughs> But I think when I when Too I have fair, your skin looks amazing. Yeah, oh, yes, like amazing. No, I do a really little bit more than that. But, um, <laughs> but I think when yeah, when I have the time to you know do a scrub and a mask and do all the steps that I would ideally like to do more often, yeah, home feels spa. really good. Home spa, yeah, which I did a lot in lockdown. Yeah, like my skin was yeah looking even better. But um, yeah, the, for me that's kind of kind of how I unwind with beauty. Yeah. And um, on that, if you were a, okay, so if you were a beauty product, what would you be? But also, if you were a dish, what would you be? <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> I mean, I think if I was a dish, maybe just like a simple spaghetti with a sugo, like some sort of sauce. I think it's comforting, reliable. Easy, simple, <laughs> approachable, friendly, and delicious, <laughs> <laughs> delicious. Um, and a beauty product. I mean, I know I've mentioned the Balm Twenty Seven, mm. but yeah, that kind of reliability. I suppose I like to be seen as reliable. But it's also like everyday luxe. <laughs> everyday luxe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. My new you can line. always have a little bit of luxury with the Balm Twenty Seven. That's right. Oh my goodness. Well, we could talk about beauty and food and. Melbourne and all the places to go all day with you, Julia. But I know that you've got to get off to your very gorgeous lunch with your friends. <laughs> Fancy lunch. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to just say a huge thank you. And thank you. we cannot wait for your next cookbook and the tour, the cafe. The, <laughs> we, I think there's an endless list of opportunities. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today um, and enjoy that lunch. Thank Can't you wait so to much. hear what you order. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. And I'm on the road.